Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Live under the, the, the purpose of going and growing and loving and serving our world. I just make a statement there. That is the heart, that is the heartbeat, that is the purpose for those who are relatively new. I'm looking around the room. There are some guys who are new that are going through growth track. Uh, our purpose is to go and to grow and to love and to serve our world. It's quite simple. We want you to just commit that to memory. It's very, very easy for you to get in and has been absolutely unbelievable. As part of our going and growing and loving and serving our world, we do that through, as Julie's rightly said, four areas. The first of all, the first thing is we want people to know God. Listen, if you're here this morning, your first time in, you know, the very heartbeat, we want you to go on the journey. Don't feel forced. Don't feel pressured. You just keep coming. Just keep coming and keep listening and keep asking questions. It's no problem at all. We're not offended by that. If you don't believe everything that we believe, I'm not offended by that. All I'd ask you is you just have a heart that's open. That's all. And, uh, but we want you to know God because we believe that as we get to know God, He changes our lives. Can I get a wave out there? It's true. He changes our lives. And we want people's lives to be positively changed. And Julie's already said that People are knowing God. And I just want to highlight just one or two things, if I may. Some of the things we've crossed over. There are now 600 people. And all these things are over both campuses. There are now 600 people who call Arena home. That's pretty remarkable, guys, over both campuses. And honestly, I am, uh, they know I am. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really severe at this. If people are no longer with us, we take them off the database. We write to them. We say, thank you. There are some people, unfortunately, or, or sometimes in a good way, move on to other pastures new. And we write to them. We take them. We're not double counting. We're not trying to keep people on the database. It makes us look good. There are 600 people presently called this place home. Julie's already identified the fact of a hundred first time decision. I get pretty excited about that because that's changed lives. Okay, they may have only just started the journey, but you know, there's people whose lives are being changed and it was remarkable. 492 Christmas guests. Santa Claus didn't just come. There are 492 people who came as well. And I love the fact that many of those took a Bible. They wanted to know more. And you're here, some of you are here as a result of the Christmas services. We've said universal increase by 60%. That's me being evangelistic. It's actually 50% according to the figures I, I, I put mine in. But it's still an incredible increase. And by the way, over 100 young people over both campuses, Mansfield had 28 young people you know, last, last week, that's been their record number from a standing start. It's pretty incredible, guys, what God is doing amongst us. In fact, when I think about Universal, um, this is just a story. They, they actually put it out there that they wanted to just write a little bit of a magazine for young people. And, and by the way, we do all that we do with regards to young people, because if we haven't got young people and children, you've heard me say this, whilst we love you, if we haven't got young people and children just flowing through the life of the church, a whole row of young guys here, we haven't got a church in 20, 30 years. We just haven't. And so we want to keep putting resource and enthusiasm and encouragement to them. But this is one story. It says, I've been going to Universal for just over a year now, and all I can say is great. The atmosphere is amazing, and the way that everyone is treated is 10 out of 10. New people are welcomed very well, and best of all, it's free. 
Universal is growing and growing. This is this young guy's perspective. This isn't me. This is this young guy's perspective. I didn't prime him and slip him a tenner to pay it. He, he did it all on his own. Um, my friends show up nearly an hour before it starts because they are so keen, so keen to get in. I'm sorry if you're the neighbor who complains about the noise on Universal. We're very sorry about that. There are some people who, are, who are, have come registered a few complaints we're trying to control that but I want to say I'm glad that we have young people coming to our buildings on Friday nights we've got to try and control that and manage that we don't want them to be out of control but I love the fact that we've got young people here and they're there an hour before and most importantly this is this young man says I have found and grown my relationship with God enormously I don't know where me and so many of my friends would be without universal the fact is they'd probably be doing what most kids are doing of that sort of age, which is getting into stuff that they shouldn't be getting in, in, involved in and living a life of despair and wondering what, what on earth life is all about. We don't want people waiting till they're 30, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 before they have an encounter with Jesus. We want little children, young people to have an encounter with a living God who can change our lives. Can I hear an amen? And so this is one of the stories that's happening through Universal. It's amazing. The second thing is we want people to find freedom. And again, we've highlighted it. There have been 133 increase in groups from 9 to 21 groups. And what is amazing about this at the moment is people are leaning in to now leading. There are some people here you never thought you would ever lead anything in your life. And you are leading the most amazing groups. You are the most amazing small groups leaders in this church. In fact, you all are. All those who lead a small group, you're pretty amazing. You're pastoring, you're caring for. I'm hearing stories of people who've been in hospital or had babies or haven't been well and food's been delivered and flowers have been sent and cards. That's not been orchestrated centrally. That's been through the small groups. If you're not in a group, I'd encourage you to get in one because you won't just get it from here. You need to get in group life. And the other thing we want to encourage is if you've got a passion to be a leader, then I'd encourage you to just get in a group and then talk to your small group leader and say, I would like to get in a little bit more about how I could be a leader and how I could lead small groups because we want to encourage everybody to be part of them because it's at that point people know that they are needed and they are known. I referenced that last week. Already we have three groups ready to launch in the next month and uh, there'll be another three following so you can see how quickly this thing starts to take life. The third thing is discover your purpose. In 2016 through Growth Track there was 139 people and actually this year just gone was 92 people. It's not a decrease. The fact is we'd introduced this next steps. And so a lot of church folk went through that 139, but there was a lot more newer people going through the 92. And I had the privilege of being in week one last week. And there was probably barely a dozen of us, but numbers of them were new to church. It was just, some of you are here, it was just a terrific time. I was left, I left growth track last week buzzing. I thought, I love these people who I've just sat with and they're great people. God, God is doing a great thing in our lives and we're just really excited about all that God is going to do in and through us. And we've got you know, new leaders coming through. Tim and Helen are going to be taking a leading growth track with others and just helping us with that. The other thing I want to say about Discover Your Purpose is not just you know, through growth track, but we had a leadership track and both Josh and Stephen led superb sessions in the leadership track. And there was, there's over 50 people registered 
to actually been on that leadership track. Great feedback from Mike and others who gave me great feedback. And I'd encourage you when you hear leadership track again on a Sunday announcement, just get booked in. This is for you. If you want to become a better leader, a better husband, a better wife, a better mother, you know, just a better person in the workplace, a better small group leader, kids worker, youth worker, whatever, then this is for you and I encourage you to get in it. Lastly, make a difference. Well, there are now 238 adults actively serving in the church and it's growing. I don't want to embarrass him too much, but there's been, I will actually, my brother. Uh, now, there you go, Lee. Okay, just been around the church for a little while. He'll now kill me at the end. And, you know, Martin grabbed him onto, onto car parking and he were buzzing and Martin were buzzing. And I want to say these teams are pretty amazing. The dream teams that happen are pretty amazing. I love the fact that people are getting connected. They're getting involved. We have over 80 volunteer staff serving in our community, ably led by this dynamo here. She's all in, she's dressed in black, Lisa. She just leads that superbly well over both, both sides. We serve over 5,000 people a month. In fact, here's another story. Um, from Tracy, she's not here today, she's, she's, uh, she's hen, henning, isn't she? She's hen, yeah, henning. She's on a hen party or whatever. I don't know what they call these jolly things, but anyway, she's away. And he says here, sorry, Tracy, I'm sure you're having a wonderful time. Okay, I just wanted to send you a quick email, this was to Lisa, to let you know how amazing Food Bank and the Food Bank team have been today. It's been absolutely manic, this was fresh this week. But the conversations have been brilliant. Debbie has shone. Debbie, you might not have seen this. Here she is. Debbie, you've shone. And had some on-point conversations with people. We've both prayed with different people who have asked for prayer. Sarah's been making information leaflets. And Kath spent time, where's Kath, with, um, with Des talking him through the word that was delivered in the community service. By the way, on Tuesday, we have a church community service in our community building. It's manic. People are shouting out, yeah, yeah, I don't agree with that and all the rest. If you're one of them who's shouting out, that's fine. That's the place to do it. Don't do it here. Okay, don't do it here this morning. Okay, but it, you know, people are on a journey trying to find a way and there's a service that's run. run. It's just absolutely brilliant. And uh, he says, um, and so we'll probably be at church Sunday. If you're here, Des, great to welcome you. And uh, the prayer meeting before food bank was full. We only just fitted in the office. Mel led the hosting team. I don't know where Mel is today. And took time to connect with people. Made a huge difference. There really isn't enough I could say to praise the way everyone works together to reach the world with the gospel. Each servant in their area. It was brilliant. If you're from the community, big round of applause. Big shout out to you. And honestly, it's just amazing. If you haven't been mentioned here, don't be offended. You're in it. You're, you're intricately in, in, mentioned in it. It's great to step back and watch Debbie, Amelia, Mel, Kath, and every other member of staff just push through. And I know without a doubt that today the community knew that church was here and it was for them. That's what we're all about. That's what it's about, guys. Making an incredible difference. There's one piece of information you must understand. We give tithe into the community. We sowed £33,000 in. But don't let these figures miss, miss you. The community, we've invested £220,000 in making a difference. Now, we make that money because through income, and people like Bob and Mandy and others who help us with Debbie with the houses, 
huge income. It's about 95 grand. But these guys know we're not just after to make the money. We're pouring it back into the kingdom. Nobody's getting wealthy off it. The more money we have in, the more we can do in Jesus' name. The more we can serve people. And I want to say this is your church. You've done this. And as we work together... We will continue to see. I believe, Julie, as you referenced it, my mind went back to the days of where we just literally had very little. And we were very grateful in the very little. And now we have a little bit more. What could God do amongst us? What could God begin to do amongst you? What could God begin to do in your life? And that's the next phase of growth and of life that we want to work into. So what is next? If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, I think we've missed some here. Yeah, what's next is the next slide. I'll keep going. There are four things. Here we go. There are four things that we really want to just, um, as I say, it's not a vision Sunday. It's just to put a little bit of fuel and then we'll, we'll get to it in, in a couple of months. We want to encourage people to keep reaching and keep welcoming. You know, some of you are outstanding connectors You wouldn't like to be called evangelists, but that's what you are. You're brilliant. If I can say this, Angela Crabtree, don't fold your arms on me, okay? (laughs) Angela Crabtree is an outstanding evangelism connector. Wherever she goes, she tells people about Jesus. We've got a Linda Comrie who's on here, and Linda is is into everything and and everyone, but she tells everybody about Jesus. There are some others of you, and again, you get yourself in trouble because you don't mention them, but that is the reality. Des and Sue do an incredible job, as does Roland and Ilka, just working with an organization called Safer Families, which is just really provide care for both uh, adults and children. And as part of that, if conversations arise, they'll just talk to them about their faith in Jesus. We want to keep adding fuel to that. Are you hearing me? We want to keep adding fuel to you to say, come on, let's keep reaching and let's keep welcoming. Because how are we going to fill this place? Well, we're not going to fill it through my outstanding preaching, are we? We're not going to fill it through my outstanding good looks and my svelte figure. Okay, that isn't going to cut the mustard. What's going to cut the mustard is every single one of us just playing our part talking to people, encouraging people to come. There's a mum and daughter, I won't embarrass them, they know who they are. I spoke to them on the door, they're here again this morning. It's just great to see new people being here and just going on a journey, just trying to find out more. We want to keep growing it, the church, through people reaching and welcoming. We also want to give people, anybody ever experienced six-star service? Anybody been to a fancy restaurant? You've never been to a fancy restaurant. You need wives. Some of your wives are going like this. Husbands, you need to get your wallets out, okay, and pay for your wives. Can I hear an amen, ladies? Come on, ladies. Can I hear an amen? Okay, Chris is there. Chris. If you've ever been to a nice place, you just have great service, great environment, great food, and you walk away and you say, that was superb. We want everybody walking away from here saying, this was superb. I don't mind there's a few hitches along the way, but I want everybody to get a great welcome. I want everybody to feel just relaxed. I want everybody to feel like, you might not understand everything, but you just, there you are, Mel. I wondered where you were. Okay. We want people to feel welcomed. Listen, if you are not on a serving team, you're not on a serving team, 
We want to encourage you to get on a serving team. There's so much stuff that we can get involved in. I've already mentioned him. I mean, Martin leads his own businesses, led numbers of businesses. He was in my notes, actually. And here he is. One of the things that he loves to do is welcoming people on the car park. He's often out there picking up rubbish. You know, no problem. Just gets on with it. I love that fact, Martin, about you. I love the fact we've got some of our professionals who are there doing some of the most menial things in the life of the church. Because they get a heart that they just want to serve. It's not that they all want to be here. In fact, most of these guys wouldn't want to be here. They just want to serve. And I'd encourage you, whatever you can bring, please get involved. And it might be that you need to go through growth track or talk to the people on Resource Hub and say, I want to get involved in something and somebody will follow that up. Secondly, we want to gather and serve. We want to gather and serve. Let me just show some, a quick statistic here really quickly. I've got the time. I want to just put 1% and I want to put 10%. We want to gather 1%. We want to serve 10%. What do I mean by that? We want to gather 1% of the population. At the very least, these are initial figures. And we want to serve 10% of the population. So Ilkeston, okay, at the moment, there's around 35,000 people. It's not a huge town. So we basically want to gather 3,500, 350, and we want to serve... Three and a half thousand. I want to get, let you into something. We're already doing that. So we're having to up the ante now. We're saying, actually, we're going to go at 2% and 2%. So we want 7,000 and we want 700. Sorry, 20%. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, not 2%. Yeah, sorry. Thank you. But you knew where I was going with the 7,000. 7, so that's what we're believing for. Now, that might not inspire you, but that pretty much inspires me. Particularly when they say statistically, there's probably only around 3% of the population that go to an evangelical church. There are, of course, more that go to some of the more traditional establishments, but it's about 3%. So if we start to take ground in Ilkeston of 2%, I want to say we started to take a little bit of ground because there's other churches and we applaud them for what they're doing. We want to add fuel to them, but we've got to get on with what we, God's asked us to do. So we want to do that, which is great. Anybody pumped about that? Are you all with me on that? You all understand it? So we want to forever gather and we want to serve. But when we talk about Mansfield, there's about 70,000 people just in Mansfield. If you take the surrounding areas, there's about 100,000. So let's just take 70,000 on the 1%. That's 700. On the 10%, that's 7,000. We're well short of that. So we need to continue to believe that God's going to help us to take ground. Some of you need to write those figures down. We need to pray over them. We need to believe that God's going to inspire us and help us with that. The third thing that we want to do is we want to not just reach and welcome, gather and serve, but we want to plant. Any gardeners here? There's about three of you. Okay, that's why you... Oh, okay, I might say... There's about... That's why some of your gardens are probably in absolute shambles. But anyway, I won't go there. I know where to go if I want some nice cuttings and whatever. I know where not to go, okay, if I want some nice flowers and whatever. We want to plant. I like a nice, tidy garden, but I don't understand plants. But I understand something about planting you need to have a good environment, a healthy soil, a healthy plant. You've got to water it. You've got to nurture it. You've got to care for it. 
You've got to sometimes even say, talk to them. And they'll begin to grow. How are we going to impact the M1 corridor and beyond if we just remain here? Or just remain in Mansfield? Some of you like here. I get it. This is your campus. We're not asking you. But some of you got more of an adventurous spirit, pioneer spirit in you. And what we want to do, we want to take the little that we've got and begin to plant it in other areas. So you need to understand this is going to be part of our philosophy moving forward. You're going to hear it through Arena 2020 of how can we plant. We're presently spying out the land. You know that from the Bible? And by the way, we're coming back with a good report. There's giants in the land, but we can certainly do it. Anybody hear it? There's giants there. Oh, yeah, but all the land's flowing. Whoa! There's juicy groups, grapes to be had. Juicy groups. There's juicy grapes to be had. The land's flowing with milk and honey. Anybody with me? Oh, we've got some Joshua's and some Caleb's in the spying out of the land. And we're going to believe by God's grace that we're going to take what we've got and we're going to plant it in Jesus' name. And some of our towns around about us are going to just going to see the glory of God. We're not going to wait for others to come. We're not going to wait for this revival. We're just going to call on God and say, God, we're going to believe you. We're going to trust you and we're going to go. And as we go, we're going to believe something remarkable to take place. And that's going to be part of our overall philosophy. And the last thing that we're going to do and what next is 2020 and beyond. I'll mention this a little bit more on Tuesday. This isn't the big announcement. But 2020 and beyond is a three-year visionary goal that we want to launch in April, May. It'll set us up for the next three years. It'll be vision and our giving will be centered around four visionary components. And these four visionary components, I believe, by God's grace, will spread our influence locally, nationally, and by God's grace, globally. By the way, if you think we're going to go on television, we're not. Okay, that is not on the agenda. I believe it's a prophetic call. Yeah. Although some people say I deserve to be on the uh, you know, stage at times with some of the bad jokes. But anyway, we won't go there. It's a prophetic call. It will involve everyone. It will mean extraordinary sowing, giving, serving, praying. For some of you older, there it will mean... And for all of us, actually, a sense of legacy. What are we going to leave in the ground for others to follow? These are the four things. What next? Reach and welcome, gather and serve, plant 2020 and beyond. But there are three things that I just want to close with because you say, well, I want to open the Bible. We're just about to do that now. If you're finding your Bibles, find your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 16. I want to read four verses together. And as you find that, I just want to make a comment. I've been doing a recent study. I have two or three things that I tend to work on. And one of the things that I've been working on, because of my church planting role nationally within Assemblies of God, and also involved in one or two other things nationally, I've been working through one of the greatest pioneer leaders of the New Testament, beyond Jesus For those who don't know much of the Bible, there was a man by the name of Paul. They often called him the Apostle, Apostle Paul. He was originally Saul, 
And his journey was a little bit sketchy because actually what he begun started was to actually kill Christians. It was the first murder of Christians recorded in the scriptures. And that phrase, he's had a Damascus experience, is from the Bible. It means that, wow, the scales have dropped. They've now seen it. That's what happened with this man by the name of Saul. His name was Saul, but God came to him and revealed himself to him and basically said, no longer will your name be Saul, it will now be Paul, and you will carry my name to the Gentile nations and kings will come under, you know, you'll, you'll sit with kings and governors. And as a result of that, he was prolific in his planting. He's the one who gets, tends to get all the glory and all the praise. But what I was doing in this recent study was trying to understand he couldn't have done it alone. He had no jumbo jets, he had no cars. How could he get the gospel around the world the way that he did? Because he was by boat or by foot or if he had, you know, a horse or a camel or whatever. He must have involved other people. We see some of that because he talks about there's a man by the name of Barnabas and there's another man by the name of Timothy and there's another man by the name of Titus. But really, they're the only three that I can think of and it's got me thinking, it must be more than that. So the study led me to try and understand every person that was associated with the Apostle Paul. I lost count of 88 people. 88 people. We all think about Paul, but actually involved 88 other people that often don't get a big mention, but I want to say eternity knows their name. We now may not know much about them, but eternity knows their name. And some people, to be honest with you, may not know much about you, but your names are going to be written in eternity for what you have given and what you have sacrificed for Arena Church to touch this area. I'm glad you believe that. There's about two of you who believe that, but it's true. Because it cannot just be a man or three or four people who happen to, at times, share this platform. It's a collective effort of taking the gospel to the world. And we read of one man who he identifies, and this is in 1 Corinthians. It says this, you know that the household of Stephanius were the first converts, conference, first converts in Achaia, which is a part of the area of where Corinth was. And that they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanius, Fortunatus, and Achaeus arrived. I'm glad I put my teeth in properly this morning. Because they have supplied what was lacking from you. Verse 18. For they refreshed my spirit... And yours also. Such men deserve recognition. Hand up if you've ever heard a message about Stephanius. And yet the Bible says such men deserve recognition. So I'm going to recognize them today. Is that okay? Because we're all Stephaniuses. We're all Stephaniuses. And this is what I realize about Stephanius. Number one... He committed himself. He was the first convert. He committed himself to the work of God. Secondly, his faith was evident to all. He was an Angela Crabtree. He was telling everybody about Jesus. Angela, don't shake your head at me. (laughs) He had values and he had convictions. (laughs) 
He worked hard. He worked hard because we see about the users of labor and working and refreshing. He was a hard worker. Generosity was at his core. He refreshed when others weren't willing to refresh. And his purpose and his passion shone through. I said last week, we need to raise some passion um, contributors. We need to raise some passion givers. We need people of passion, don't we? Anybody with me? Oh, come on, anybody with me? Passionate people. And he was one. And like I said, I love thinking about people like Stephanius because they are like so many across arena. Hundreds of people who are buzzing away, pioneering, committing themselves, giving, praying, serving, passionate. And these men and these women deserve recognition. So I want you to just nudge the person next to you, because I'm going to give you three things that they did. But I just want you to turn the person next to you and say, well done. Well done. (laughs) I want you to sincerely do it. Don't just go, oh, well done, and then move on. Well done. You deserve recognition. But as I think about Stephanius, very quickly, there are three things that... I just saw it immediately as I read it and as I was studying it, studying it again and just asking the Lord for how do I pull it all together, I saw three things that he did around, he must have done for Paul to write about him the way that he did because he got on board with the vision. He got on board with the vision. And the first thing that Stephanius did and the guys around there and the thing that we need to do if you're taking notes is we need to gather around a vision. We need to gather around a vision. I don't know whether you was like it at school. It was a bit pathetic, really. I hate it now. I'm ashamed of myself. But if there was a little bit of a scrap going on at school, there'd be people around and then they'd start to chant, scrap, scrap, scrap. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Scrap, scrap, scrap. What were they doing? They were gathering around a particular scrap, scrap, scrap. I don't want to gather around a scrap. I want us to gather around a vision. There's a sense in which we gather together around this vision. Verse 15, it says, They devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. They said to themselves, Stephanius said to himself, I may be the first convert, but I'm going to be a builder of the church in Corinth. I'm going to do whatever needs to be done. And by the way, when in the first days, you have to do everything. So he was on car park duty. He was on teas and coffees. He was leading the worship. He was leading the prayer times. He was with the kids. He was, he was doing it all. He was just committed to being a builder of God's house. Can we gather around that vision again that says, whatever needs to be done, whatever it may be, we're going to gather around the vision. Let me tell you, if you are a cleaner... If you are on hospitality, if you are with kids, if you are with finance, your part is essential. And people gather around a vision, not just with hype, but with hope that says, you know, we're going to take something forward. We're going to move it forward in Jesus' name. We're going to take ground for him and for his glory. And people gather around that kind of vision. It's compelling, impactful, influential. And by the way, this vision is inclusive. All ages, all backgrounds. The second thing is, quickly, 
They gave joyfully to the vision. They didn't just gather around a vision. They gave joyfully to the vision. It says here, I was glad when Stephanius, Fortunatus, and Achaeus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you. And verse 18, they refresh my spirit. I drink a lot of coffee. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I drink a lot. I need to qualify that. I drink a lot of, you know, tea and coffee. I don't drink a lot of, when you hear that, I drink a lot. I drink a lot. I drink a lot of water. I just, it's just what I am. So there's nothing more wonderful, Rob, when I'm sat there in my office and I get a knock on the door from one of the staff and say, would you like a cup of tea? I mean, that's a stupid question, really, to somebody like me, isn't it? (laughs) Of course I want a cup of tea. To feel like there's a refreshing. I want to say... Stephanius was committed to refreshing Paul. He gave joyfully to the vision. You know, vision requires resource, commitment, energy. And it also requires that people step up. And it's clear to me that Stephanius didn't hold back. He didn't hold back his love and his affection, his service and his resources. And he did so, so joyfully. It flowed from his heart. We've got this phrase, we want to just impregnate it, if we can, into the, just the language of this church. You know, some people talk about, we've got to do something. If you've got kids, oh, I've got to clean my room. They never say, oh, we get to clean our room today. Oh, how amazing. But that is exactly what we're looking at. You know, some people, the language in church is, oh, I've got to do this because Christians ask me or the pastors ask me or the elders have asked me or the team have asked me. Josh, oh, we've got to do this because Josh has asked us at Universal. All right. They don't do it in front of him, but uh, no, we don't want that. We, we, we want to work from the position. We get to do this. Are you hearing me? What, is it just a different, it's only just a one, one vowel that's changed, but we get to do this. We get to do this. It's a joy. It's a privilege to serve the Lord. And this is what Stephanius was like. And thirdly, because of time, he didn't just gather around a vision. He didn't just give joyfully to the vision. This was his household. He talks about Stephanius and the whole household. He grabbed his wife. He grabbed his kids, his servants. They're all in it. They're all in it. They're all lumped in. And I love it when we see that more and more with our younger kids. They're here and it's washing over them and with mum and dad and grandparents. I just love it. But the third thing is they were the guardians of the vision. I say that because we see three words. Do you want to come on the, join me on the platform, you, you musicians? We saw things, words like work, devotion, supplied. Let me say, it's great having a vision. It's great giving to it. But you've got to be a guardian of the vision. I say that. We need to protect it. We need to stand firm. We need to work. We need to labor in the vision that we have received. Let me just say this very quickly to you. Why do we need to guard the vision? We must keep the why of the vision on our hearts because we so easily get distracted. You know, we all start with the why. That is the purpose. That's the vision. And then oftentimes, years down the line, we become fixated with the how, which is the methods. 
And that is why some churches have lost their way. Because they've lost their why and they're now fixated on the how. They're more interested in the methods than they are in the actual mission of reaching men and women for Jesus. Or even worse still, they don't, get, they don't just lose the why. They don't just think about the how. They're more interested in maintaining what they now have. They don't want to lose what they have. So we'll just try and keep it together. And they lose sight of the why. I will be your major agitator and irritator with this. It's not about the how. It's always about the why. Jesus tells us to go into all the world and make disciples. He tells us to love and serve those who were broken. He says, I have nothing. And will you be like the people who walk by me like most of you did? Or will you be the one who comes and takes care of me and serves me and loves me? Because if you do it for them, you're doing it as unto Jesus. Listen to me, we need to protect the purity of the vision. We need to guard the vision. Listen to me as I close. He has so saved our lives. He has so saved our lives. I read this recently. God knows every moment of our horrible pasts and loves us as if he didn't. Just let that just wash over you. God knows every moment of our horrible pasts And loves us as if he didn't. We have been saved. His grace is amazing. But it doesn't just stop there. Yeah, I think that is deserving of some praise to God. But this is the guardian of the vision. We have been saved to serve. And we need to guard the vision. Because everybody will want to tell us how we should be doing it. What we should be doing. I'm not interested if it's not in this book. Everybody always has an opinion about how we should be doing and what we should be doing here and how we should be reaching people here. We want to listen to people, good wisdom. We have them come through the life of the church. They're incredibly helpful. But I'm telling you this much. We want to guard the vision. The elders, the pastors, the team, we want to guard the vision. As soon as we lose sight and it becomes all about this, we've lost the vision. As soon as it all becomes all about me. Oh, aren't I amazing? Aren't I brilliant? Let me put me on a TV screen somewhere. Aren't I found? Oh, it's all about you, me. I'm being nasty and I'm being, not nasty, I'm being naughty. Listen, as soon as it becomes about those things, we lose sight of the vision. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the world. It's about him. It's about connecting him to the world. And how we can reach people. That's what it's about. Honestly, that's what it's about. And of course, we've got to work through the how and the methods of how we do that. But we need to guard the vision. You know, I'm not afraid to die. But I'm also not afraid to live. Some people are more frightened to live than they are to die. Why do I say that? In the season that we were going to walk into, are we going to play safe? Or do we want our lives to truly matter? We have an opportunity. Oh my goodness. We have an opportunity. But God, to just take a, a humble group of people like me and like you 
and do something extraordinary with our lives. That you will then stand back and you will say, wow, really? And God will say, really? So all I'm looking for is a group of people like Stephanius who will gather around a vision, who will give joyfully to a vision, and will stand as guardians of the vision. And as a result of that, boy, oh boy, look at the history. They built a church. They impacted a region. They took ground in Jesus' name. May God help us. Let's close our Bibles, close our eyes.